you're a mom out there or a dad and you, you have kids and you're like, I could never do this. You can do it. Just you have to be really structured and intentional mm-hmm. and think about all the ways you're wasting time on a daily basis, like cut Facebook out, cut even your morning coffee run, like cut that out, make the coffee at home and spend that half an hour. You just heard Ellen and she's a social worker turned affiliate marketer. This is The Doug Show and we're going to hear her story today. My name is Doug Cunnington. This is The Doug Show. And Ellen's story is very cool. She started using the keyword golden ratio and had great success. In fact, she started a site and was able to get it to about 3000 bucks a month within eight months, which is very impressive. It's a great story overall. And Ellen does a great job emphasizing how much work it is. She's been working on the site full time. This interview was recorded in early, like the first quarter of 2018, so keep that in mind. I first published this interview on YouTube, and it got a crazy number of views for a video on my channel, and there's a ton of like comments and questions and all that stuff, so that is actually where I'm going to get the questions today. People ask specific things after hearing Ellen's story. So I'm going to try and tackle some of those. And if you want to, uh, you know, put your two cents in, I'll I'll actually put a link in the show notes to the video so you can ask questions and see what other people wrote as well. So I encourage you, if you enjoy this episode, go have a look at the actual YouTube contents and the original uh, posting out there on YouTube. I'll send it over to the interview here pretty quick. Before I do, I want to let you know next episode is going to be an interview with Evan, and he has another uh, keyword golden ratio success story. Success stories seem to be very popular, so I'm sticking with some of those. And his story is fantastic as well. He had a site that was established already, or at least it had some traffic, it had some earnings, and he poured on the KGR content and was able to basically double the traffic and double the revenue. Now, I did the interview with Evan, I think like the middle of 2018, something like that. The cool part is I just did an updated interview with him. So next episode is going to be the first interview from the middle of 2018. And then in a few episodes, I'm going to tell you about the update. And he's doubled his revenue again. It's pretty uh, fantastic to be able to follow people as they go along their journey. So I'm going to send it to the interview. Don't forget, there's questions at the end and uh, maybe a little story too. Okay, Alan, we're just going to get like right to the punchline pretty quickly here. But before we do, Can you just tell me a little about yourself and your background? Sure, absolutely. So I actually am a social worker by background. I worked in the public policy field for a number of years, five to seven years, prior to really starting to get into internet marketing. And so I got into internet marketing probably in 2011. Uh, I started a travel blog, actually. And at the time... I had read about all these successful travel bloggers who were making 
you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month or whatever on their travel blog. And I thought, well, gosh, I travel a lot and I was getting ready to move overseas. And so I was like, well, that would be like the perfect kind of online business to have to to set up before our big move so that I can be bringing in some income because we moved from my husband's job. So I wanted to work too while we were overseas. So I spent about a year building up this travel blog and that's how I got into internet marketing, built the travel blog up to where it was doing well, making probably about 4K a month at its peak and continuing to grow when honestly the uh, the great firewall, uh, I was living in China. And so I got just really shut down by, by the internet in China. It was just impossible, but I never gave up. I just kind of had to put all that on hold. And then I returned to internet marketing um, a couple of years ago once we got back to the States. So kind of a bit of a, a circuitous route into internet marketing from the, the kind of political world or the, the advocacy world. I think it fits my personality well. So I like the challenge of it. Cool. So now let's get to the punchline part. So you have a site that's doing pretty well, and that's how you and I sort of connected. And you yep. you launched the site in July 2017. Right now it's March. So it's, uh, what is that, eight months or something like that? Eight, eight and a half months, probably. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell me about like the most recent earnings, say in like February, and what's the target for March? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my most recent earnings, I think in February, was just under $2,000 for the month. So like $1,950 maybe. Okay. And right now I'm on track to make about $3,000 for March. Okay. So that would be my goal is to crack $3,000 by the end of March. I don't know if I'll do it. Maybe I'll get 28. I think if I can get to 2,800, I'll be, you know, fine with that because I'm <laughs> yeah. the trajectory is good. But yeah, that's, that's my goal. I think for my past 30 days, I checked it this morning and I think I was at just under 2,400 for the past 30 days. So okay. That's amazing. Congratulations. I, I mean, Thanks. you know, a lot of people don't get to the point that you're at. So that's a huge accomplishment and that's amazing. And do you check your earnings like every morning? Cause it's like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, not so much because it's exciting. I think I actually check it out of fear just to make sure that like overnight my Amazon account didn't get canceled or something. Um, right. same thing with like Google analytics. I'm always making sure I have people on my site so that I can check that it's not crashing. But yeah, I mean, I just like to tick off the progress in my own mind, mm -hmm. you know, kind of to set my mind as I go into my work day, because I'm doing this full time now. Um, okay. So I probably start around seven or seven thirty in the morning if it's a good day. And yeah, that's how I set my work day. I remind myself of how far I've come and it feels like I'm just, you know, really kind of trudging along during the day, especially if I'm doing the writing myself. Um, it's a good reminder just to set my, my mind that, yeah, you are actually making progress. This is going somewhere. This is working. Okay. Awesome. I check earnings often yeah. too. So it's a, it's a normal yeah, thing yeah. That, that we do. <laughs> yeah. How much traffic is the site getting right now? Like per day on average, would you say? Sure. Per day on average, probably on average about 1700. The highest um, days are usually Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And those are just under 2000 a day. Then any other day can be 17, 18, something like that. So I'm around 43 to 45,000 a month right now. Okay, cool. And I'm just going to recap what just 
what we just went over here. So the site's about eight months old. It's making between two and 3,000. Most likely it's on an upward trend and you're getting over a thousand people, sometimes up to 2,000 per day. So that's fast growth. And I, I'll point out, I have another video where I talk about the timeline of like starting a site and what can happen quickly. Now, the thing is, usually the first six months are a little bit slower. So were your six months, it felt like maybe you weren't moving and tell me about it. Yeah. So um, I was completely prepared for the first six months for nothing to happen. I had watched a lot of your videos. Um, I think the interview you did with like Dave Fox and he was just like, Google hates you for the first like nine months. Don't expect anything good to happen. And so I went to it like, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'm not expecting great things. And so it was probably I think I launched it in like July and then around September maybe late August, I actually heard about the KGR for the first time on one of your videos. Okay. So it was, it was so funny. Actually, I was literally making dinner, chopping vegetables. And I had like my laptop up on the little kitchen sill listening yeah. to you and really kind of tuning part of it out. And then you brought out like a, an Excel sheet. And that always like piques my interest when somebody does something that's like somehow data driven. Right. Um, so I stopped like mid chop and I was like, what is this guy talking about? And you pulled up the all in title and you showed me. And so after that, like right after that, I finished dinner and I, I just went and started doing KGR research in my niche. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's tons of these. So I immediately kind of switched around that late August, early September mark and started just pouring the KGR content on. I was at that point doing only KGR. And that's all I do now okay. is basically uh, KGR optimized content, unless there's something like, oh, you really should cover this in this right. niche, but there's a thousand competitors who cares Just stick it up there. Sure. So that was probably early September. And I spent the next six weeks really pouring on the KGR content. And traffic started to pick up. I started to probably get a couple hundred a day. Um, but the thing of it, it was is that I really hadn't gone through and like fully monetized the site yet because I, you know, I didn't want to have the issue with Amazon of like, you know, getting kicked off. Mm -hmm. So just like, wow, these posts are actually getting traffic. Maybe I should go monetize. So I spent the next week just going through and monetizing all of my articles. Sure. And within the next week after that, I was earning. So I think in terms of earnings, I actually wrote this down. In terms of earnings, I think I earned something like between September and October, my total earnings were $58.92. Mm -hmm. And so traffic was let's just say around 300 a day at that point. Going into November, traffic picked up to probably 500 to 600 a day, um, maybe a little higher on the weekends. But for the month of November, I earned over $500. Nice. So I went from less than $60 in a combined two months to making almost $600 in six weeks. Nice. Just on KGR content. Amazing. So it was that that yeah after that my husband and I like we were driving back from my parents house in Indiana and we, we live in New England and so we were driving back and we were just like whoa this like legit works and so we decided kind of to yeah. really pour into it at that point and and see where it goes so I kind of thought oh well maybe it was just the holidays or something but I've done better after that and my traffic has picked up after that mm -hmm. so cool. I'm sure next year I'll do better I'll have a holiday bump but I don't really think I did this year interesting interesting it's funny I had a conversation with my wife in 20, 
2014, 2013, maybe. Yeah, it was 2013. And I started a site around the same time period in July 2013. And I remember I was in Indiana as well, funny enough, in, in the northern part. Yeah. My wife has family up there and we we're, yeah, we we're driving around. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I remember talking in the car for like two hours about internet <laughs> marketing. Back then, she had a higher tolerance for listening to me talk about it. She's had enough yeah. at this point. So, Aww, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I want to backtrack it, Todd. So you said that you found the KGR in September. That's a really cool story, by the way, me picturing other people watching my <laughs> videos, like for real. What was your strategy prior to it? That is a really good question. I almost want you to mention the other like marketers that you may have been following as a reference mm -hmm. point, because I probably followed the same people and then I found my own area. So it's totally yeah. cool if you want to mention people specifically. I had done this before with the travel blog and had had some success. I'd had some articles that had ranked highly in Google. And so my strategy was just to do keyword research, but on things that I thought it made sense that people would be looking for in a particular niche. And so I started using KW Finder mm -hmm. was the keyword tool that I was my paid tool that I was using. And then I was also using Uber Suggest, which is a free tool. So and so I was using those two tools and I was following pretty much all of the other leaders in kind of the niche and authority site field other than you. I hadn't actually stumbled upon you yet. And so, uh, you know, niche, niche pursuits, um, authority hacker, and I had just come across income school, I think. So I guess, you know, YouTube figured out what I was looking for at that point, And then you popped up um, cool. soon after. So my strategy really, I think I listened to one of them had done a podcast or something and just talked about, you know, pouring a bunch of articles on in your niche and give it six months to a year. Doesn't matter what the competitiveness is. Um, and I'm sort of putting words in their mouth there. They probably had much more nuance to it, but I wasn't really too concerned with the competitiveness of the keywords I was using. I just thought, oh, I'll eventually start to rank for those. I was looking for ones that in Keyword Finder would have like a lower competition score. But honestly, now that I do KGR with those, that doesn't line up. Right. So I don't really even use those tools anymore. It just doesn't prove true. So I was just trying, I was going to competitors' websites that were similar and looking for what they were covering. And then I was just like, oh, I'm just going to do articles that are better. And since I knew enough about it, I could tell what kind of keywords they were targeting. Sometimes I'd maybe look it up in some rush or something. But mostly I was just reading the content and trying to do it naturally. And it's not that I think that the other folks like Authority Hacker and such didn't provide valuable information. I think that they did. And it definitely got me started. I actually think it's kind of a full a full puzzle and each plays their own role. So, you know, authority hacker specializes in like really detailed posts or podcasts on a very specific issue, but maybe if you don't buy their course, you're not getting quite the how to. So what was really missing for me in my strategy and in the people that I was following, what was kind of the, the exact how to mm -hmm. a form. I really wanted a formula. And so when I was sitting there chopping vegetables and I hear you pull out this Excel sheet, you know, yeah. and you start going over this formula, I was like, finally, you know, somebody has done what I, what I was looking for. So some of the articles that I published before that I had kind of found, okay, a competitor covers this. They do sometimes get traffic, but they hardly ever do. Like if I had just kept with that strategy, 
I might get 100 views a month. And, and actually, I have a second site that I was focusing on more than the current site at the time, and I didn't use KGR for it. And so I'm going back now and kind of KGRing it, if you will, and it gets like 100 views a day. And, you know, I kind of follow some different strategies, you know, some of that was my own doing others. Maybe I was listening to other folks, but yeah, so I think, I think pulling pieces from kind of everybody's teaching has been helpful, at least in terms of my progress. Yes. And that totally, uh, thanks for all that background, by the way, it's really helpful because I mean, I learned from, you know, niche pursuits and Spencer and then authority hacker. And I, you know, to be honest, I haven't gone through their courses and stuff, but from afar, it looks like they follow roughly the same type of model, if I just had to guess. And I think you're right about pulling the pieces from different sources. And you had enough experience, so you knew which pieces to pull. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, I see... I think that would be... Yeah, because yeah, it's really easy to pull the wrong pe- the, each of the right. wrong pieces, and then yeah. you're you know, much worse off. Than, yeah. and, and you don't understand why. But you already knew yeah. because you had... Site in the past. I had the site in the past. I'd been studying internet marketing for a long time. And also, I should add, I actually had the time. So, kind of a key piece in my story in terms of why I even got started doing this anyway was because with my husband's job, we actually ended up having to move quite a bit. So, I was just, you know, going to be in a position where I was always going to have to be leaving a job or moving to a new city with no contacts, trying to get a job. So, I wanted to do something that. I could do from anywhere in the world and that wouldn't be dependent upon his job. Um, so that I didn't feel like every time we move, I have to give up my life and, you know, move. So I wanted to be able to take it with me. And so we decided together as a couple that this would be our strategy was to have me focus on this full time. And having that time did make a huge difference because I could kind of distill down all of the knowledge and the information that I was following from everybody and have time to wrap my brain around it, pick and choose what I wanted to do. And also test it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're just, if you're in a position to where maybe you have an hour a day to spend on your niche site, or maybe even less, plus you're trying to consume information from people that can be really different or difficult. And I think that's where it's very helpful to have a structured course because what you're essentially paying for in a course is not just the knowledge. I mean, a lot of that knowledge you and the others provide for free on YouTube, but the other piece of it is well, here's all that information in the order you need it, in the framework that you need it, and you can maximize your time. So it's, you know, value for money um, and kind of the time value of money um, that's important to you. So I I have to add that I think my situation is a little different. I don't want people to think that I'm just like, oh, yeah, like you can just find all these KGR (laughs) work, you know, be making $1,000 a month in six months. No way. You know, it, it took a lot of hard work. I probably spend over eight hours a day on this at this point. I hire writers. I do some writing on my own, a little bit of both. But right now it's not passive for me. Got in it. That regard. Got it. And, and by the way, you haven't taken any of my courses, right? I have not. Okay. No. And, and I think, well, that's key to point out too, right? Like you yeah. don't need the courses. There's plenty of information. And oftentimes, I mean, you made a great point for me. So thanks. But the course five-figure niche site, like, it's almost more important, not more important, but it's just as important what I don't put in and I omit from the course because 
there are many, many strategies and details that give you like tiny incremental gains. They're very, not necessarily advanced in complexity, but they're advanced in application. So if you are, you know, six weeks into your site and you're trying to do something for us, like that I would do for a site that's like three years old, you're probably wasting your time. You know, you're probably not going to get anything out of it. So it's really key to know like what to do and when and in the right order. So no one piece is really hard. It's just if you have to do a hundred steps and and do them in the right order, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing, especially if you only have like an hour a day. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would rec- I would recommend the course just from what I know of the outline you've provided for it and the content you've provided online. I can say definitively that if I hadn't had the prior experience building sites and doing internet marketing on some level, and if I didn't have the time available to do it like I do, I would absolutely be paying for the course. Unless I just somehow miraculously found thousands of KGR terms (laughs) and, you know, was able to do that myself and was like, oh, I think this is working. I don't really need the course. I think the project management aspect that you bring to it is very helpful. And I tend toward being very project management oriented right. myself, even though I'm not a PMP, but I am good at managing, you know, projects and, and teams and stuff. And so I think that if I didn't have that, I would absolutely need the course in order to succeed. So cool. I would put that out there for people to certainly consider. Thanks for saying that. Appreciate it. Okay, I want to move to something very interesting. I've heard people, well, people have asked me about it and I just haven't done the research because I didn't think it was something you could calculate. So you have sort of a hypothesis about the ROI for a keyword golden ratio article. Can you just walk me through an example and explain how this works? And by the way, I can, I'll probably put some, some numbers up on, on the screen to help people visualize as you're talking through it. Great. Fantastic. Yes. So this is the formula that has worked for me and proven true for me. Results may not necessarily be applicable to and transferable to everyone, but I had heard, I think on income school or you that, the idea of you could earn $1 per month for every view you got in one day. So for example, if you're getting 1800 views a day consistently, then you would theoretically be making $1,800 a month. And so I latched onto that, like, you know, oh, this can't be that hard. Like, surely if I just do that, you know, I'll be able to, to get to that point. And so I wanted to see what that would look like, you know, for my particular niche and regarding the KGR specifically. So I'll have to refer to my notes a little bit on this one, but I do pay for some of my content. I've probably written half of it and paid for the other half. And so this ROI calculation is based on paying $20 for an article. Um, So sometimes I'll I'll pay more than that, but this is just kind of general um, $20 an article. So if you pay $20 an article right now with my current traffic, I'm getting 2.5 visits per day per KGR article. So I took out all those other articles that I'd published before and this, these calculations don't include that. So about two and a half visits a day per KGR article. On average, I'm earning about $1.50 for each of those views. So it comes out to one article times two and a half views a day times 1.5 um, views. Mm-hmm. And that gives you total for how much you can expect that article to earn for you. So an example of this would be, to put it in practical terms, 
Let's say I order 100 KGR articles at $20 a piece for a total of $2,000. So I'm looking at how quickly am I going to make a return on that investment? Is that really going to pay off? And if so, how quickly is that going to happen? So I've paid $2,000 for these articles. And just for the sake of this, let's forget the Google sandbox. Let's assume they start getting traffic like right away. Um, your site's not new or yeah, your site's not new. Mm -hmm. They're going to start ranking immediately. So each post is receiving two and a half views a day, earning an average of a dollar fifty each. That's going to give me on those 100 posts, $250 per month just for that batch of 100. So I spent $2,000 total. So after six months, I would have earned $1,500 off of those articles. So at six months, I haven't quite made back my initial investment, but I'm getting close. And then after 12 months, I will have earned, assuming no growth, mm -hmm. static results, they'll earn $3,000 total for the, the 12 month period. Mm -hmm. So spend 2000 end up with your 2000 back plus a thousand more. So I get a 50% return on my investment. I've recouped my cost in four to six months mm -hmm. and then ended the year with like a 200% return on my investment. It just kind of depends on how each article performs, but that's just kind of an average. I'm going for the goal of within six months, I want to make back my money. And within the next six months, so within 12 months, I want to double my money. And so as an investor in the stock market, that's pretty impressive to me that like in one year, I could double my money. Right. You know, it makes me a couple years to double my money in a good economy. Right. You know, I, I might not get to that point for like five years or something. Sure. And so that's actually really impressive because I think people probably are like, oh, I don't want to spend money on content if I don't know it's going to work. My suggestion would be spend a little money on content or a lot of time writing it and prove it. I think the example you use is 10 posts, you know, maybe do 35 or something mm -hmm. like that. Something a little bigger because, you know, not all of the KJR terms will end up ranking. Yep. Most probably will, but they it's not guaranteed. So, you know, experiment with it with kind of a smaller batch. And then once you earn money off of that batch, my recommendation at least would be don't be afraid to pour that money back into scaling your business mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, paying for content or writing content yourself. But yeah, so from an investment perspective, I actually think it's really very interesting because I'm sure that holds a lot of people back is this, you feel like you're spending money by paying for content, but in reality, after a year, yeah. you know, that, that may allow you to earn. And if, you know, if Amazon Associates program stays around and Google doesn't penalize you, you're just going to mm -hmm. keep accelerating that growth. And so it's going to pay off so much more down the long, uh, you know, in the long run. So cool. This is amazing. And I have not come up with some such a, a model, right? I haven't come up with a model like this. Number one, I feel like mo I spend most of my time still trying to convince people that it, it can work. So those comments are pretty funny when I get them, but yeah. <laughs> I appreciate them nevertheless. So this is really cool. And I like that, you know, you made an, like you made a number of assumptions, but you move forward, right? We don't ever have complete data. So you came up with your best, you know, guesses in the beginning. And then as you got more data, you were able to go and ap apply yeah. it more specifically. What, what were you going to say? Yeah, this this data is probably based on my performance about four to six weeks ago. So, you know, maybe I'm earning more than $1.50 per article. I tried to kind of just lowball it. Mm -hmm. I wanted like worst case scenario. What am I going to do? 
what am I going to get in terms of my return? Yeah. And so, so I'm continuing to scale as a result of that. And, and I think it also should be added in terms of like, does the KGR work? Like, yes, it does work. That doesn't mean that everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes the problem is not with KGR. It could be in how the person is doing KGR or other problems with the site. Like, I think we shouldn't just jump to the conclusion that it's KGR's fault, just in the same way we shouldn't jump to the conclusion that, you know, it's the website owner's fault. It right. could be a number of factors. And I just encourage people, like, what do you have to lose? If you don't want to spend the money on KGR content, write it yourself. Take a month and do it. All you've lost is your time. Right. Worst it can do is make you money. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. That's there right. Are worse things to happen in the world than you work for a couple hours and it makes you money. So cool. And I, I again, it's it's really awesome to see how you like made some good assumptions and move forward. So as I was listening to you explain it, I'm thinking about, you know, you're probably in the sweet spot of like those averages and stuff. Do you have any predictions on where the model falls apart, like some amount of traffic or some amount of articles or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, I think at this point, the main threats to the model are what would be threats to all of us. Like if Amazon, you know, changes their affiliate program or does away with it, then well, that sucks. And then if I was to get some sort of Google penalty that could impact it, I do notice I do that kind of the Google dance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will change positions, but I'm still usually up there. So I think if I was to get penalized, then obviously it would, it, it would drop off significantly. Sure. I feel like the other week I had a low week in terms of traffic, but my earnings still continue to go up. So I, I think it's kind of, I mean, it all depends on who comes to your site and what they order, right? Mm-hmm. Like my products are not changing price, but the visitors to my site are changing and what they buy does change. So I don't know if it falls apart just on its own without some kind of external catalyst. Mm-hmm. In terms of kind of going forward projections that I have, I'm assuming no growth for my projections. I assume no growth. So if I have an article that's ranking four or five, I'm assuming it does not become number one. Mm-hmm. That's what my calculation is based on. It's also based on if I have an article that's number one, I'm assuming it doesn't go to number five. But, you know, all things being co- constant, my way to growth is adding more content. Other people could take a totally different approach, add a lot of backlinks, skyrocket those four or five positions up to one and two, probably double or triple their page views a month and probably earnings go along with that. I'm not assuming that will happen. And right now my focus is on scaling with content rather than with links. I'm not anti-link by any means. In fact, one of the reasons my travel site did so well in a competitive niche, I mean, it had like almost 700 backlinks kind of by the end there. So, and, and all that was more or less organic. You know, I think that there were shadier tactics back then. Like I think the shadiest I ever did, which I didn't realize was shady was like a link exchange. Like, you know, there's some great resources, other travel blogs, you know, I didn't do PBNs, you know, none of that, but so I don't plan to do any of that going forward. I'm just hoping to generate natural backlinks Mm -hmm. and then maybe do some intentional backlinks kind of the second half of this year after the content has scaled. Cool. We haven't talked about backlinks at all. So have you done any link building for this site 
at all? No, I haven't. And for the other site that that's not really monetized and not really earning as a result, I haven't done any backlink building for that either, but it was generating it much more naturally on its own than my site that is earning. So I thought that was interesting. And it kind of says to me like, okay, in the next six months, you really should take this seriously. I haven't even done any blog commenting on it. I should be doing that. (laughs) I would recommend your listeners to be doing that. No idea how much it would help, you know, my current content at this point. I think, you know, backlinks are just good practice sure. in SEO. So so what do you think the other site is getting like natural backlinks? It was kind of accidentally an undercovered piece of content mm-hmm. that was very well organized. It was like blank ways to blank and, you know, just, just a very linkable article. And then it kind of had a, a sister article. And so then people would kind of click over to that and maybe they'd link to one or the other. They were semi-related. And, and then there were some other articles on there that I don't remember that, that got more natural backlinks. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the type of information that people are actually wanting to include and link to in their own posts. Whereas with my money site, who's going to link to best X for Y, right? right? Like in their in their own article, like here, go to this other website and you know, click on their links. So cool. I think that's why, but this might, I have no data. <laughs> right. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's rare when people are going to link to an affiliate article. A lot of times those are okay resources, but I mean, a lot of us know they're not the best. We're literally trying to review and sell something. So people yeah, are not you to yeah, even if it provides valuable information, which I always tell my writers, that's our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is not to sell this product. Our ultimate goal is to provide the reader with the information they need to make an informed choice because they're the expert in whatever it is that they're wanting to buy for. So you, uh, you know, brew beer. I don't need to tell you, you know, certain things about that. You, I just need to provide certain information that helps you draw an informed conclusion. And so that's, they may link because my articles do provide that valuable information, but if they know probably enough, right, they're probably, I'm going to get this guy some, you know, some affiliate commissions by link to that. Why would I want to do that? (laughs) Unless they're an affiliate. Yeah. marketer, But they, they understand it, you know? So, right. So let's uh, sort of shift gears, kind of move to the motivation area. So, you know, you're working on your own. Do you have any tips for people that are trying to do this on on the side or just in general, like if they're just getting started? Yeah. um, Well, I think the first thing is it does work and it is worth it. But just keep in mind that this is kind of not something that's going to make you money overnight. If you're needing money now, go get, you know, you always use the term, you know, go dig a ditch. Well, that's, you know, probably a really good idea, actually, you know, go get a job elsewhere if you really need a side hustle that brings you in money now. But if you are wanting something that will bring you in passive income for the long term, then my number one piece of advice is just like stick with it. And you know, don't be afraid to get creative. So I'm posting on a lot of keywords that a lot of my all on title searches result in no other um, Mm -hmm. searches coming back. And I think to myself, why is that? And I'm like, well, I guess I looked at the problem differently. Right. And so I think, you know, don't be afraid to think outside of the box and say, okay, well, what are other competitors in my niche doing? 
I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to cover those terms. I'm not going to try to beat them. I'm going to go around the back door and, mm-hmm. you know, cover cover these other topics. So I would say that um, kind of don't, just don't be afraid to, to think outside the box and take a different approach than what others in the field seem to be doing. I'd say, you know, and then I think the other thing is like time management. So, you know, if I wasn't doing this full time, I would have to set aside time in the evenings to do it. And what I did for my travel blog, I was working full time for an entire year while I was building up that site. Probably four nights out of the week, I spent two to three hours in the evenings doing it. That was tough. I mean, I, you know, my husband and I would eat dinner together and then kind of do our own thing, mm-hmm. maybe in the same room, but it was still you know, sad. So you're going to have to make sacrifices like that and talk with your spouse, your partner and your children about what they're comfortable with and be on the same page with, you know, anyone in your family or your household, anyone else who is a a significant part of your life, just be on the same page and discuss it with them in terms of what is our goal Mm -hmm. in terms of why are we doing this? Do you need extra income or do you just do you want to build up like an early retirement and be able sure. to live off of your say income? Um, what's your vision and kind of how do you all need to work together to achieve that? You know, because I couldn't do what I'm doing, you know, if my husband wasn't going to a regular job every day, you know, a regular W2 job every day. And, you know, he's providing us with health insurance. And, you know, maybe by the end of the year, I'll be earning more than him. But that still wouldn't like negate the need for him to actually still have that job. And so it's something that we have to constantly talk about together, talk about the strategy. Are you still okay with this or you know, most of the time he's like, do more, do more, do more. And I'm like, do you realize how much time this takes? But you know, if we, or if we're going to do more quickly, we need to spend more money, you know, up front. So I would just say talking with the people in your life, I think maybe that's, you know, something that could be really key because Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, if I, I don't have children, but like if I had children, this would be a little overwhelming. So if you're a mom out there or a dad and you you have kids and you're like, I could never do this, you can do it. Just, you have to be really structured and intentional Mm -hmm. and think about all the ways you're wasting time on a daily basis. Like cut Facebook out, cut even your morning coffee run, like cut that out, make the coffee at home and spend that half an hour just in front of the laptop. Yeah. Um, it's all priorities. Yeah. And uh, all that was good life advice too, not just for niche sites, but yeah. Very I don't good. generally give life advice, but, you know, <clears throat> I'm not the example always, but it's um, right. Okay. I hope it's useful to someone at least. Yeah. So. No, I feel like I just had a therapy session. So that was really good. <laughs> well, I am a social worker, you know, yeah, original. I mean, so. Good advice. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any goals for your site over, let's say six months, 12 months, where do you want the site to be? Aim high. Yeah. I want by the end of the year, by the end of 2018, I want to double the amount of content that I have on just this one site. I'm also in the process of launching a couple more each year in their different phases of development. I don't like to ever be doing full scale more than one at a time. So I'll be doing some like test test batches of like 30 articles and then kind of leaving it for six months, that sort of thing. So I want to double my content. And honestly, by the end of the year, I I really want to be making five figures a month off of just this one website. Nice. That's my goal in terms of numbers and in terms of numbers going forward for two years beyond that. I mean, I just want to continue to scale at that sort of growth rate, but I want to have three to four sites 
that are all performing similarly. And I mean, I've already done like all the KGR research. I mean, I'll still do it. Right. But like I have enough right now in my Excel sheet to, to kind of go forward for the next couple of years. So awesome. Um, I know you say don't do keyword research that much, but I, I like it. I just always find it accidentally. I'm like, oh, I wonder where, where that fits on the KGR. And yeah. like, oh, we'll add that. So, <laughs> so that's my goal. I really want, I loved the concept you used of like five figure niche site. And, and so that's what I think in my mind every day. Like I'm, I'm literally building a five figure niche site that will earn me five figures a month, mm-hmm. hopefully. So, and I I also should add, I live in high cost New England, you know, so like thinking in terms of what is a a full-time income, you know, for somebody where I live versus where I grew up in Indiana, it's basically like double, right? Like, so I could probably get by on $5,000 in Indiana or $6,000, but up here you need a little bit more. Right. Can totally relate. And uh, I was going to say, I mean, people don't forget you have to pay taxes. That's like 35 ish 40 percent or so so it sounds like a lot which it is it's it's, you know fantastic but you do have to pay taxes and stuff it can go quickly yeah Yeah, absolutely well that is amazing and ellen this has been enlightening thanks a lot thanks for joining and sharing your story really appreciate it awesome thanks doug take care thanks a lot again to ellen really appreciate her taking time And I'm hoping I can get an update whether sometime soon here in 2019. I know she's actually been, you know, really busy personally and just hasn't had time to uh, catch up and put the time in and all that, which I totally understand. However, um, she's still doing well. I caught up with her um, not too long ago. I try and keep in touch with folks, see what they're working on. And obviously I can only do so many things personally and I know other people are trying a lot of stuff. So I I like to ask people about what they're doing and kind of, you know, see what the word is on the street. And then of course I can tell them some stuff that I know too. So it's kind of cool to be able to do these interviews and, you know, get insight into what other people are doing. I've been lucky because I've been able to work from home for several years. And even when I had a corporate job for, I don't know, it was probably like three, four, five years, I was working from home 80 to 90% of the time anyway. What that meant is I could I could do all sorts of things at the same time during the day. So I was multitasking, which I, I try not to do so much anymore. And this story is kind of a good example. A lot of times I would be on a conference call and maybe I was brewing a batch of beer, maybe I was getting some food ready or eating and just a few other things. I would also clean up around the house all during the day while I was doing like two or three other things. Basically, I I was doing all that stuff at once. And one time, you know, my wife got home from work. It was the afternoon. She went to heat something up in the microwave and she opened it up and she saw like a, it was like a half eaten banana. It was like partially peeled. The, The peel was all brown and there were like two bites taken out of it. She's like, what, what the fuck is going Like, what is this, Doug? What is happening? Why is there a half-eaten banana in the microwave? And I was like, oh yeah, uh, that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. I was eating it. And uh, basically, uh, like we were in a, in a warmer house back in Georgia 
and there were fruit flies around. So we often kept our fruit in the microwave. And I, I guess I was like eating a banana and then I stopped eating it and I set it down and I was like, oh, I don't want the fruit flies to get it. I'll just, uh, you know, put it in the microwave for safekeeping. And then I 100% totally forgot about that banana. And then she found it hours later after it was, you know, partially peeled, partially eaten. And the side story on that is the fruit flies were like insane at that condo. We lived on like the third floor of a complex, which was a four floor four floor complex. So we were sort of in the middle and our our windows faced the south. So it was always warm in there. And we were on like the half of the complex where the dumpsters were. So it's not like we lived next to the dumpsters or anything like that, but you know, it was like a hundred feet away. And again, it was like the half of the complex closer to the dumpsters. And I'm not sure if that led to more fruit flies or if it was just the warm environment, but we basically had to keep our fruit in the microwave or in the refrigerator, basically in a sealed area so that the fruit flies wouldn't uh, gather and congregate in our place. So it took us a little while to figure that out. Now, I can tell you here in Montana, we don't see many fruit flies. I'll be honest with you. It's it's cold here a lot, and there's not a lot of those flying bugs. And I mean, it's like eight months of the year where there's like some pretty solid freezing temperatures at night, and it just kind of keeps all those uh, little insects and stuff at bay. In fact, knock on wood, I haven't seen any cockroaches um, anywhere around these parts. I'm sure they exist somewhere. You know, cockroaches are probably like in, uh, I don't know, how how am I talking about cockroaches right now? I'm not sure what happened, but basically I'm sure in like hotels or, you know, places where there's like more people passing through or whatever, maybe there's some, uh, you know, insects and stuff like that. But you know what? Let's pull it. Let's pull this back in. Let's pull this back in. Let's hit some questions now. All right. As I mentioned, these questions are coming from the YouTube comments for this particular interview from back uh, in 2018. So I highly recommend you have a look there. And in fact, if you want to get some shout outs and stuff like that, ask questions in YouTube comments because I could actually like see who left the comment. So Candy Elm asks, can you take an old post and quote KGR it? So apply the keyword golden ratio to an existing post. Would that just be tweaking the keywords until you get to 0.25? My answer is generally, yeah, you, you can go back and take a look at some of your content and see if you have some posts that maybe could be tweaked to target a longer tail keyword perhaps you can apply the keyword golden ratio. So that would be a matter of tweaking the title. I wouldn't mess with the URL, all right? I generally wouldn't mess with the URL. I would probably change the title, and then I would maybe change the copy, maybe some subheadings, potentially add some images that have some keyword-rich descriptions, alt text, and maybe caption. So yes, that's a good idea. In fact, one thing you could do is go to a tool like SEM Rush and put in the URL that you're thinking maybe you want to optimize. You can see the other keywords that are bringing in organic traffic and you can optimize around that specific term. 
You could also do a similar exercise with the Google Search Console. The interface isn't as intuitive, in my opinion, but you could definitely see what queries, what keywords are being used to end up on that particular page or what queries are actually creating an impression uh, which means uh, it's a terminology from the Google Search Console, but an impression would be that specific URL, your post, showing up on the SERP somewhere. So yeah, you can use tools out there, see what keywords a page is ranking for, and then optimize around that. I mean, and that is, that's just pure old school, if I may use that term, old school technical SEO where you're going and analyzing the data that you have at at your fingertips, right? Like going and seeing the data for your actual real site and then tweaking it around that. I think it's a great idea. The more I'm talking about it, you can hear me getting excited and yeah, it's just, it's technical SEO. You go back and optimize around what's working already. Rob Hansen says the following, really like the interview. I have been adding some articles to my blog with the keyword golden ratio and it's been working great. The only thing I don't understand is how you and others can find so many KGR terms that stay relevant to the niche. Do you have any insight? Well, first, Rob, thanks for saying that. I'm glad you liked the interview. In fact, there were a couple other uh, compliments in here. Uh, There's one that's kind of funny I'll read in a second. So I told Rob and other people looking for more KGR terms, like you just have to keep looking. So there is this scenario where maybe your site has a pretty narrow scope. And if that is the case, then, well, you may have to be a little flexible and add some stuff that doesn't fit in perfectly. What I like to recommend is think about the audience. Think about a visitor to your site. And if you can keep that in mind, then think about what that visitor, what that audience would be interested in, other things that they would be interested in, well, then you should be able to put content that they would like, and hopefully that'll be close enough. So that's generally my recommendation. Also, you could just start looking at like auto-suggest from Google and related searches. That is like one of the primary places that I get ideas from. So you can, you know, You can look at your competition and stuff, but a lot of times Google is going to tell you um, like keywords that people are looking for. And they're going to tell you keywords that are kind of off the radar because they're so so rare, right? It's search for such a small amount that most people are not going to look for it. It's very manual. It takes a while. But once you get the hang of it, usually you're going to find quite a few of those keywords out there. I'm going to complain and, and rant a little bit here. One thing, if you're thinking of uh, starting a YouTube channel or a podcast or a blog or anything where you're putting yourself out there, you got to have a thick skin. You got to, I mean, you can't get offended. And I'm, I'm usually like in real life, you really can't offend me. Um, I'm not sure a hundred percent why, but yeah, I mean, I, I like to get feedback. I like to hear about things. Um, so that I can improve. However, it's very interesting when you get onto YouTube and you get onto like other platforms where people can be completely anonymous and uh, basically be, you know, kind of mean. So this is actually a decent comment, but I'm pretty sure if someone is in my, like was facing me and like telling me in person, 
they'd be a little more diplomatic. Like people can be like, it's just a little mean that the, the comp here, I'll just read it here. So uh, it says, Doug, kudos on finally speaking faster and better and making your videos far more engaging than the bore fest that your previous videos where you would drone on very slowly and the videos would take forever. That's not meant to criticize or diss you for your previous style, but rather an approval of just how much better you are. Enjoying your videos more this way and I'll start re-watching your videos. And of course, uh, it is a compliment. It just can't, it comes out a little... It comes out a little harsh, I would say. And when I read it, I'm like, man, what an asshole. Like, I mean, I appreciate it, but we all have to start somewhere. In my first videos, I was really nervous. And I did hundreds of them before I actually picked up the pace. And it's all part of the process. The hard part is part of the process is like doing things in front of people. And it's a fucking train wreck sometimes. So I totally understand. And you know what? Now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like, yeah, I I get it. I wouldn't even watch my old videos. Some of them were so slow, but you know, sometimes I was doing uh, like a live stream or I was just trying to figure things out and just a little peek behind the scenes since you're listening to me drone on right now. Basically, I was like, I want to do more videos and I hesitated. This was like in 2014. I was like, I want to do more videos and I just, I wasn't doing it. Like I, I, it was too hard to edit and it was too hard to prepare ahead of time and so on. Right. Like there were so many hurdles and I have a slight perfectionist uh, streak. And I was like, what, what can I do to get around this? And to this person's point now I'm, I'm pulling it back. He's hundred percent right. The first, the first videos were fucking terrible. So basically I thought to myself, well, what is holding me up? What's the biggest hurdle here? And I'm going to remove that and move forward. 100% editing. So editing was going to take, it was just taking so long because I was trying to, you know, make it so clean and not have like slow parts and filler words and all that stuff. So I just decided, fuck it. I'm just going to publish these. I'm just going to shoot the video. I'm going to publish them. I'm going to edit it minimally just to make sure the audio is maybe okay and like just make it presentable. And then that's it. I'm just going to publish them. So I did that for a very long time until I got to a point where I could actually produce the video, uh, do a little bit better. And then I started editing a little bit more. Fast forward two, three years. I'm not saying my videos are great or anything, but if you look at the improvement from the beginning to where we are now, then it's amazing, which is what this person says. So I take it back. That wasn't a rant. That was, uh, it was my insecurity jumping out. So I highly encourage you to start some channel, start a, a podcast, start a blog, do whatever, have thick skin. Um, if, if you want to get better, you need to get feedback from the audience. You need to get feedback from people and take that and improve on it. And if you take it personally, um, you're going to, it's going to be more difficult. And I mean, I try not to take it personally, but, uh, sometimes, you know, my first reaction, a lot of times my first reaction is defensive. Like, well, let me tell you why, but you know what? It doesn't matter why, like, it really doesn't matter why, uh, the audience is concerned with the finished product not with uh, the process along the way. Okay, well, let's bring it back down a notch and get back to the questions. Thank you for indulging me there for, for a few minutes. Kelly Bullock says, 
inspiring. I have a travel blog also, and this is really encouraging. I've been doing the keyword golden ratio for two weeks now and have eight posts published. And uh, she's having to write all the content herself and she's made $5 already, right? right? So she's, she's like, it sounds like rubbish, but it's a start. She says she has five sales. So the thing, this has been a little while back, but here's the cool thing. So Kelly says she's just been doing the KGR for two weeks, eight posts. She made five bucks. That's, I mean, that's something. If you haven't made any money yet and you haven't been able to rank things and you've been trying for a little while, being able to like make five bucks in a couple weeks is pretty cool. So she says that she has 80 KGR keywords in her spreadsheet ready to go. And um, I actually should check in with her. I know I've exchanged a couple emails with Kelly. And um, yeah, anyway, I think that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So people take action. Uh, just try it. If you're not sure if the KGR works, just start slow. Try and get um, you know a couple posts up and see what happens. Let's do a few more questions here. But before we get to them, just want to let everyone know you can go to nichetyproject.com to get all the templates and guides and stuff that uh, you would find useful if you want to start a site. So in one of those is actually the keyword golden ratio calculator spreadsheet. And it just makes finding the KGR, the actual ratio, a little bit easier. And um, just check it out. It's free. All you have to do is enter your name and email address and then I'll send you the link to all the templates and stuff. All right, so next question is, uh, this is from Pre-Tom. He says, don't you think these results are not typical? I agree. Yeah, probably not. Here's the deal. If you take, uh, it depends on the, the scope of the people that you are looking at and your data set. So most people in general are not gonna take action. I don't know what percentage that is, but most people think about doing something. They talk about doing something. They tell people that they're going to do it, but like they never, they never do it. They don't take action. Now, if you're listening to this, you're probably in, and you're in like an hour already. Uh, congratulations, and uh, you know you're very patient with me. However, the thing is, if you're in this long, you're probably an action taker. You've probably done something. So that's cool. Once you start taking action, you're well on your way. I am a hundred percent certain that if someone puts in the time and effort, just like Ellen did over the course of eight months, they may not uh, have the exact dollar amount that that Ellen has, but they will be doing really well. The fact is, Ellen put in uh, an insane amount of time, basically working on her site full time. All right, so she put in a lot of effort. If you have a sort of a flexible mindset, if you're ready to be adaptable, if you're like, I'm going to put in a ton of work and I am going to observe the results, I'm, I'm going to adapt to what the world, whatever, whatever it's throwing at me, I'm going to sort of figure out how to adapt. Because the fact is, you may, you may not have enough time, so you're, you're going to have to figure out how to carve out time. Um, maybe there is some other hurdle. Maybe you like English isn't your first language, for example, and it's harder for you to write. Well, you're going to have to figure out how to solve that problem, whether it's, uh, you know, writing, uh, learning how to write, uh, with, with the perfect English grammar or hire an editor or hire a writer. But the fact is everyone has like certain problems that they're going to need to solve and things are definitely 
going to turn out different than what you expect. So back to Preetom's uh, question, is this typical or not typical? It's not typical. I don't, I don't think it's typical, but there's a lot of people that are doing really well and they're making a lot of money. I mean, these are just the, the people that we talk to in these success stories. These are just the folks that reach out to me and we like work it out to like share the story. There's a handful of others. Like I probably only interview, I don't know, like 20% of the people that email me. Like some people, you know, maybe they don't want to be in the public eye at all, which is cool. Like I could totally respect that. And then other people, Maybe their story isn't that interesting. Maybe they send me an email and their story isn't compelling, at least the way they've put it in. Or like I said, maybe they just want to keep a low profile, which is cool. Martin asks, what if you search a term with an all in title and it has 40 results, even if the KGR is higher than 0.25, would it still be a good keyword to make content about? Because technically you would still be rated pretty high. Now, let me try and understand. So he is saying, uh, basically, if you don't have the ratio that we're looking for, but there are only 40 results. Okay, so in essence, I'll, I'll rephrase it just a tad. There's not that many all-entitled results out there, but it doesn't meet the keyword golden ratio. Would I make content on it? Would I create content? The answer is probably so. All right, so it depends on how old your site is. If you if you have an older site, maybe you have some decent backlinks. All like there's a ton of fact. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and generally, I would probably go for it. Most of my sites have some age and quite a few backlinks. So for me, I would go for it. I'm, I would go ahead and do it. If you're just starting a, a new site. I would highly recommend that you just stick to the keyword golden ratio formula for 70 to 80% of your content. I encourage you for the other 20 to 30% experiment, go for higher, higher search volume, higher competition keywords. That is totally fine. But if you are just trying to experiment with a KGR for the first time, just stick to the formula. Um, once you once you get some experience, once you get some traffic, go ahead and experiment. But up until that point, just stick to it. Final question. This one wasn't actually asked, but I'm going to plant this question in here because I think it's important to mention. And actually, I'm just going to put it in the form of advice. So if you find a term, whether it's the keyword golden ratio or any other term, I highly recommend that you Google the term, check it manually before you write the content or have someone write the content. You want to check it, and this is key for the keyword golden ratio. So Google it, see what comes up. For example, what you want to see is uh, a couple or a few affiliate sites in the top 10, maybe in the top uh, you know 15 or so, but you want to see a couple of affiliate sites. If you see 100% all e-commerce sites, so it's Walmart, Target, I'm, I, I like hit a, I hit a speed bump in my mind there. If it's Amazon, if it's all um, just e-commerce type sites, then that's not really a good sign, all right? If it is all, like 100% YouTube videos, there's a, 
there's some queries out there that I've observed where basically the top 20 results are all YouTube videos. It's kind of weird, but for whatever reason, YouTube um, like just dominates, right? So it's all these videos. Basically, if if you see something like that, that is Google demonstrating, showing you that they are are providing those kind of results because that is what the searcher wants. The searcher wants to see all those YouTube videos. They want to see someone demonstrating, you know, unclogging a uh, sink or whatever. So keep that in mind. You always want to Google and see what is out there. Now, if you see um, maybe a couple e-commerce sites or maybe five e-commerce sites, maybe you see a couple like good high authority sites and then uh, one or two affiliate sites, that's good. That means affiliate sites can get on the on the first page of the Google results, and that is what you want to see. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and if you are new to the show, thanks for listening. Subscribe. It'll be awesome if you subscribe. There's a super cool episode coming out next with Evan, another big success story. Additionally leave a review. If you haven't left a review yet, that'll be really cool. A rating and review. iTunes is best. I think uh, like most of the uh, listens and most of the uh, you know benefit of putting a review out is on the iTunes side. However, feel free to leave a review on whatever you use to listen to podcasts and tell, tell people about it. You know, that's super helpful. Like maybe you have a friend or a relative or something like that, maybe a coworker and they're, you know, looking to waste time at work or something like that. Like, actually, are you wasting time at work right now? Are you listening to this while you should be working? If so, that's great. That's kind of how I got started listening to podcasts. I would just have earbuds in and I would listen to like six hours of podcast. It was bananas. It was really bananas. And that is the callback to the banana in the microwave. All right, we'll see you guys later.